Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, DBPers. Welcome to episode 15. Art of Earth. Oh, yes. We're very artistic in our podcast, and we are getting to artistic winemaking. Uh, and also organic and sustainable yes. wine and food practices. <laughs> I don't know that much about food practices. I know I know a little bit. Okay, I'm, right. not, I'm no expert. We're gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna talk about this, but I yeah. think that this is actually I'm not kidding. The first organic wine that I've drank. I feel like I've had I've definitely had organic wine, but this is the first one that I've actually like. Purchase knowingly that for organic for this purpose. purposes. Yeah. Yes, actually, my husband bought this as he saw it and was like, "I think you guys should do this." Oh, I was like, "Is he going to be sad that he's not <laughs> drinking this with us?" No, he was like, yeah, "This like, is a great label. You guys should feature <laughs> this." And I was like, "Oh, organic wine. Yes, okay. yeah." So, okay, so this is the 2016 Pinot Grigio uh, from Art of Earth. That's the brand uh, made with Italian organic grapes. So it's from uh, Sicily area, and uh, yeah, it's obviously a white wine. Hopefully, our listeners knew Pinot Grigio is the white. Um, but while Sarah pops this open, yeah, because uh, this is a cork. Uh, one quick fact I wanted to say: well, not really a cork. It's I think it's like well, it's like the synthetic cork. Synthetic. Quirk. Yeah, sorry, but that actually comes into play with Art of Earth in general, but. So one thing that's interesting about the Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio, which when you translate Gris or Grigio, it, it translates to gray, and I'm so inclined to play, do you know Lady Gaga has a song called Grigio Girls? No. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. I don't. It's fantastic. Can you get it? Okay. <laughs> Whoa, I was a little nervous there for a minute. <laughs> oh, man. That's all right. That's all right. I was like, is this why not going to open? Because it's going to be tough. But oh, no, shoot, that could have made things real interesting. I guess the good thing about synthetic cork is you're not scared that it's going to, like, break off. Crack in half? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good point. All right. So, give me your glass, lady. Yeah. Here you go. Cop, 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 cop. Drink it up, glass. Drink mm-hmm. it up. It's only Tuesday, and I feel like it's been, like, the longest week of all time. Oh, man. I think tomorrow's going to hold a lot of interesting things for me. So this... It's a good time to do this. It's a good time. Cheers. Cheers, bitch. Yay. Mm. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting. It is interesting. It's tasty. It's fresh. It's light. It's uh, creamy, actually, unexpectedly. Like, at the end, it's got this, like, creamy mouthfeel. Okay, maybe my maybe that's from the cheese I've been still. eating. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we're gonna let this we're gonna let this play out. But uh, so the funny thing about Pinot Grigio okay. is that it is actually a clone of Pinot Noir, and so the grapes, as much as I would like to say they're gray grapes or they're light grapes, they're not necessarily. They can actually be like blue or silver and like. Pinky and like actually, silver. Well, that was what Karen McNeil said. Oh, but I did when I was doing some research. I did see a picture on Wine Folly's website that had a glass of Pinot Grigio, same color that we have here. Okay, 
next to like seemingly like a light purple grape. And I was hmm. like, that can't possibly be. But it is. It's like legitimate. I, I am like, my mind is boggled. So I'm curious how that impacts the practices in terms of like the winemaking process. Because wouldn't you be like nervous that you'd impart a lot of more flavors? I, or not flavors. Yeah, colors? that's that's interesting. I would think so. But I think there's a wide spectrum of Pinot Grigio. That's a good call. Yeah. And what you're going to get with it. And it also depends on the area. So. Yeah, that's true. Italian. So where did it, where did it originate? It originated in Burgundy in the Middle Ages. And um, they think it was called Fromanteau. I just. <laughs> I just picture like toes. Like. <laughs> like a big toe. Fro. Fromanto. Froman. Uh, Froman from uh, um, Al Froman Sausages, Sausage King of Chicago, Ferris Bueller. Oh, I, I don't know. Bueller. I know the movie, but I don't remember that part. Oh, my God. Okay. His name is Al Froman, but so it's Froman's Toe. Okay. All right. Sorry. That's, we're That's my it. Pinot Grigio. All yep. right. Cool. We're so French right now. <laughs> Froman Toe. So it's spread with Burgundy along with Pinot Noir, and I think the first place it went was Switzerland. Oh. Okay. Apparently, it was a favorite of the Emperor Charles the Fourth. Good uh, Roman numerals. Thank you. <laughs> uh, who <laughs> had some of cuttings imported to Hungary by sister Cisterian monks. Cool. Anyways, so it kind of like made its way all around, like. Oh, God, let's not do geography. <laughs> I'm so bad. I, oh, God, I don't know why. But my brain always goes there, but never, like, in advance of these things. So apologies, DVP worlds. Well, you know how you said green means gray? Yeah. So I think the, where that came from is it developed after the name, I can't even say this. Try like, it. This you can do it. I have faith in you. Shukskabarak? <laughs> Which means gray monk, I guess. Zorkibarit? I think in Hungarian. Oh my gosh. So, anyways. Wait, 1711. Means gray monk, okay. Yeah. Some oh. German merchant um, discovered the grape going wild um, and they, he produced it as Rulander, and that, that was apparently later named Pinot Gris. Very interesting. Yeah. I wonder, like... I think I slaughtered all those names, so I'm sorry, listeners. I mean, like, I really can't... Yeah. But I have a background in foreign languages. That's fine. Yeah. Or enology. It's fine. Um, Wait. Okay, so that's really interesting. Again, it just sort of really kind of migrated all throughout Europe. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I mean, made its way because America makes it... uh, Yep. German... German. Uh, I think French, the Alsatians. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I heard Alsatian uh, Pinot Gris is, like, really, really yummy. Yeah? It's one of, yeah, it's... um, Canada? So, it's funny because Sarah just came back from Canada. I just came from Canada, and I did not have any Pinot Gris. I wish I did. She did not. She didn't read the wine Bible uh, before she went. But um, a couple of points I wanted to call out from Karen McNeil. Mm Mm-hmm. Our friend. Um, she says, and I'm not sure how this bodes for our conversation. Uh-oh. But Pinot Gris, or Grigio, uh, can taste strikingly different between, depending on, like, where it's from. Okay. Ironically, the best-known Pinot Gris is the Italian, is, as she, I quote her, 
is unquestionably usually at the lowest in quality. That's disappointing. <laughs> uh, she goes on to say that it is the wine version of a white T-shirt. Um, I personally... But don't you sometimes just want a white T-shirt? Like, sure, sure. Sometimes aren't you like, you know what? Screw me looking at my closet. Like, I don't need to look at this. I'm just going to put on a white t-shirt and we're going to be good. Yeah. So, like, maybe it means, like, you're browsing through the wine aisle. You're like, I'm sick of all these choices. Like, let's just go with, like, the casual, no frills. Comfortable option. Comfortable option. The white t-shirt. The pinot gris. Go. Yeah. That, I mean, that could definitely... That could definitely be it. She does say that. Just don't wear a black bra. Oh, no. No, no. Ladies. No. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so she does say that, uh, you know, there are northern, like northeastern, I think, Italy, uh, does have better known Pinot Grigios. Uh, This one is actually from, like, the southern part in Sicily. So that's like, I actually did, in fact, look at a map for this. So this is legitimate. So if you're looking at the Italy boot, right, and you look off the the toe of the boot, there's like a little island-y thing. And Sicily's there. Yeah. So that is where it's from. So this is from like the warmer, a warmer I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know there was much Sicilian wine. I feel like it's most notably red. Okay. I think that's, if you're going to get anything from Sicily, it's going to be red. All right. But at any rate, so the, I guess Italy doesn't have, is not as notorious for having like fantastic, you know, shell-shocking like Pinot Grigios. Um, apparently Alsace, it, it's one of the best there. Um, it is, she says, undoubtedly the most dependably delicious Pinot Gris in North America comes from Canada. Which specifically British Columbia, which is like right where you were, right? Yes, but I don't. I don't even think we can get Canadian wine here. I know we need to look into that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but basically, um, Pinot Gris because it is a clone of Pinot Noir and has you know the different colors and things like that. It can really just take on its own, its own personality. I think depending on where it's from. Do you know where the color difference comes from? Because they're genetically the same, Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris. Where? <laughs> Jamie's looking at me like, you know, like, where does it come from? <laughs> um, they think the color difference derived from a genetic mutation that occurred centuries ago. Hmm. Yeah. What would so it have it's to the it only, would... the leaves and the vines look so similar, the color is the only thing that differentiates the two. This is interesting. I have so many more questions right now. <laughs> but. Yeah. That's okay. We can, we can diverge from the topic of what Pinot Gris is. What does Pinot Gris give us? Wine. (laughs) White wine. Primary fruit flavors. Okay. And then we, let's talk about like what we taste in here too. Okay. Because it has warmed up a little bit. Okay. Um, so wait, hang on a second. Wait, I got to pour myself more. Okay. But please do. Okay. But don't look. Okay. I want to know, like, what you what you taste. Right. We're going to do a legitimate, oh, no, 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 like, no. tasting. Oh, my God, girl. It is Tuesday after. I haven't drank with you in, like, a week. Okay. Shh. More, like, a week and, and a half. half. <laughs> Hasn't it been longer? Oh, my God. It's sad. We're just making up for it. We are making up for lost time. Okay. Mm. I don't smell a ton. I get lemon on the tongue. Oh, on the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I don't smell a ton. It almost smells like watered down lemonade. And on but the you're tongue, right though. There is like a creamy taste to this. Mm-hmm. I get lemon, a little bit of green apple, and um, like sure some sort of apple. like creaminess. The mouthfeel is creamy, which I would expect it to be more crisp, mm-hmm. just based on the flavors. And you know, it's it's almost got like the flavors of like a Sauvignon Blanc and the creaminess of a Chardonnay. I don't know. This is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. It's I wouldn't light necessarily. It's, light. it's lighter than a the uh, you know a really oaky Chardonnay because I wouldn't call it like buttery like. Oh no! I mean, I'm this just is like about just the like a hint of like the the creaminess. Yeah. Um. So I think that you were pretty pretty head on um, with the the flavor or the fruits, and so lemon, green apple, very very common in Pinot Grigio. I did feel like I picked up more sort of lime a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I get it, there's a little like, bit of that. But what is so amazing to me is that all of this citrus, like really, and I really expected this to be way more acidic because I do think that Pinot Grigio is typically known to being like a medium to high acidity in terms of a white wine. Yeah. Um, it can tend to feel a little bit weightier on the tongue, like in the mouthfeel. Um, so you picked up on that, but... I am just not getting that acidity. No, and I like, think it's that creamy mouthfeel that makes you... It balances uh, it yeah. in a weird way. It's almost like, honestly, like you don't need food. Like, I think it, it would pair well with food, but I could just sit here drinking this. I mean... It supposedly pairs well with seafood. I mean, your standard fare for, like, white yeah. wine. Seafood, sushi, um, vegetables. Actually, fresh vegetables, which is weird. So it's 12.5% ABV. Oh, 12.5. Yeah, this is a 2016 that we're drinking. Here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. So what but, about Art of Earth? Yeah. Okay. So Art of Earth is Art something that's Earth. very interesting. It's a cool name. It is. Uh, it is a cool name. And I think that it is very reflective of sort of what the line of wines is intended to bring. Okay. Um, so it's owned or managed by this Mark Schule company. Is it weird that the name is in English when it's an Italian wine? Probably not because they probably import most of their stuff here. I just thought that was, I mean, like this, it's the label says made with Italian organic grapes. So I almost was like, when I first looked at it, I'm like, did they take the Italian grapes and bring them here and make them? But no, they didn't. But I'm, I mean, it was just interesting. The label is just like, you don't normally see Italian wine with English uh, this Names. is true. I mean, same <laughs> thing with like French wines, right? Like I yeah. agree. Yeah. You don't actually, I never really thought about this, but I do think so this, uh, Mark Schul, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that too, but they actually have many brands of wine. Okay. And they also, not only do they make their own wine, like they produce all of the stuff, they do all the goodness. Okay. They also like produce wines on behalf of other wineries or vineyards or things like that. Um, So it's something similar to what I think we talked about with uh, Casey Stringer about how like there are different like um, like involvements of production and things like that in the whole process overall. I do believe that Art of Earth is 
theirs like from like beginning to finish, uh, from what I could find on their website. Um, they, because they're a distributor though, I am curious if this is in English because they're distributing it. Maybe it's only distributed to the States. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we know production or, you know, what is like sizable enough, you know, to just limit it to a single country. Right. But at the same time, I'm curious if they actually have different labels for different markets because possible consider from the marketing perspective that you have different perceptions, different people perceive you as different ways Mm -hmm. depending on, you know, what their demographic is. And I could definitely see that it would be beneficial for something such as this to really speak to whatever the demographic is. Well, let's think of their name, Shul. That's not Italian. No, it's so not. So it's German. I thought it was German. Yeah. But like, they were founded in 1939. They're the number one in German-speaking markets, apparently. Huh. So, I mean, they make a ton of stuff. Like, you know, they have different brands. They have different retail. So they're kind of like this. Sounds like right, this. Right, like, smell it now. Oh. I feel like there's more to it. Now I get a little pear. A little bit. But, like, almost like a little, like, there's like a little sweetness to mm-hmm. it in like a weird way. Mm-hmm. But wait, did you see this on their spec sheet? There's actually like residual sugar in this. Yeah, sucker. there is. So it's not like a purely dry, dry wine. No. But it's not, I wouldn't say that it's like a perceptible like sugary flavor when you actually like taste it. But it does smell like there's going to be a little of extra sugar. So maybe that's where you get like the watered down lemonade from. Yeah. I kind of like that. Uh, the serving temperature recommended is 47 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. which is normally what you would do for any Pinot right. Gris or Grigio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into the good stuff. The good stuff. The good stuff. Oh, so the fact, the Art of Earth. Well, let's segue to it. The Art of Earth line through Mark Schuel is actually or- an organic wine. What does that mean? Yeah, I was just gonna say. With that begs the question: What the hell does organic haven't wine you mean like heard compared to everything else? When they're like, "Oh, well, it's organic," and like, and I'm like, I guess I feel like okay, wine comes from grapes. I mean, <laughs> it's organic. It's when organic. You think about it, right? Like, but but organic means like different things depending on the country. So I think that when organic became like a really big thing, probably like early two thousands, at least here in the States, uh, there weren't a lot of regulation around. There wasn't a lot of regulation around like what that actually entailed. So I think that there's more regulation now, but, um, it actually still means something different depending on what country you're talking about. Okay. Well, what about America? Dude, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So, organic wine made from grapes grown in accordance with principles of organic farming, which typically excludes, excludes people. The use of artificial chemical fertilizers, pesticides, fungicides, and herbicides. So what does that mean? That means that they're trying to protect their crop and trying to rid it of any sort of... Chemicals. Insects. Sure, sure. But anything that people would use that's non-organic, that is like, you know, you spray your like Roundup or whatever, that is a pesticide. Well, that's just like organic food. Exactly. You're not supposed to, I mean, like, the amount of Roundup they're saying that they use, like, for GMOs and all that is, like, 
preposterous, right? Yeah. So that's why people, you know, and we'll kind of get into that, but that's why organic food is is gaining the spotlight because, mm-hmm. like, who wants to consume that? Right. You know, so I think that's part of this is, like, you know, using the cow poop to, like, fertilize your grapes or carrots or whatever. (laughs) Cue Ace Ventura. Um, So there is also the question, and this, Sarah, I want to just mention or talk Uh, about. uh So this next piece that I found is that there is a big debate over the use of sulfites. Okay, so I remember like a few years, more than a few years ago, people would be like, oh my God, sulfites give me Sulfite. a headache. <gasps> I and I'm like, the same thing. And I'm like, or is it that you drink four glasses of wine? No shit. No shit. I mean, have I drank four glasses of wine? Yes, I have. Doctors don't like harass me. But anyway, you know. Oh, because that's a secret to all our listeners. <laughs> I'm sure they all thought that we never drank more than two. Glass. Anyway, so, so yeah, but I I I heard the same thing that sulfites. Everyone was like, "Oh, if you want to avoid wine headaches, like avoid sulfites." Well, I would. I think that people might be hard pressed to find a wine that does not contain sulfites. So our beautiful organic wine here <laughs> contains sulfites. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, this is, we literally just saw that. So what do sulfites do? Okay, so sulfites, their involvement in the winemaking process. Sulfites are typically used to help stabilize wine. So we talked, uh, we've talked before about, you know, the conversion of yeast and sugar and blah, blah, blah into alcohol. Blah, 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 blah. All of the, that's blah, 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 is like the chemical, the scientific That's like what process. happens, you guys, in the yeah. barrel. It goes blah, 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 blah. It probably does bubble up like that. But <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, but consider that you have a product. And some, some wines, like mostly sparkling, I think, but some wines actually undergo... Oh, we even learned this with Slovenia. They actually undergo an additional fermentation in the bottle. Yeah. Okay. So when they're when when wines can still ferment, because sometimes your bottling doesn't happen when it's all done. You know, it's just a thing. And so um what that means is that you would then have to figure out a way you don't have to, but people would like to figure out a way to stabilize their wine so that it's not gonna suck. Doesn't it help with aging? It does help with aging. And I think that that's the other thing. So So when we find organic, when we find natural wines, things like that, they're actually meant to be drunk much earlier. Like within like a year, I'd say two max of when they were bottled. Okay. The interesting thing about this is that it says that you should drink it within a year. However, it has sulfites. And Pinot Gris in general is actually... An early to market wine, and it can be bottled within four to twelve weeks after fermentation, and usually should be j- drink drunk within two to three years. It's not oh, I one see that that you should age, but the fact that this said one year and not two to three years, yeah, and it has sulfites, I was a little bit that is surprising about though that. because you would think that if it did not have sulfites, it would still have the recommendation to drink within a year, and this this recommendation to drink with that quickly actually comes from their own specifications, like their spec sheet that they give to like their vendors and distributors or whatever. So that is in fact, like uh, I'd say, I agree with you, very surprising situation because 
I think that they could afford to position themselves so they didn't contain sulfites. It, it begs the question, so why did they feel that it was necessary to do that if they recommend drinking this so young? Uh, Silence. Cricket. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't so, know. I think we need to call Mark Schul. 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 Um, so. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why they have them. And I think, so sulfites, the other piece to this and the other I- ironic thing about this is that sulfites are non-organic. Like the sulfites that the, the. The stuff that exists to create sulfites and to put sulfites into wine is non-organic. So it's so interesting. these are... Wait, wait, wait. But turn it around. Because it says made with Italian organic grapes. So organic grapes. It's it does not, not say, say anything about... Organic wine. Correct. Oh, you guys. Revelation. <laughs> this is... See, this is where the, like, the labeling shit all gets like confusing. Like for organic food and for like all this organic... Like if I yes. saw this, I'd be like, oh, it's organic why it's made it's fucking semantics i mean like you think about it and it's like honest to god the words that are put in front of human beings to consume literally to read to you know mentally process it all makes a difference consumerism consumerism fuck you guys (laughs) damn it okay but let's not let this shroud <laughs> shroud our organic grapes yes, because no, that, that means that there were some decent uh-huh. practices in terms of how this produce was grown. I was going to say built, but grown. Um, it doesn't necessarily speak to say the practices that went into the actual wine making process. So, what could you do in the winemaking process to make things non-organic? To make things non-organic, like what makes a non like how do you do what are the things that you could add to a wine like these oh my god okay from organic grapes oh my god but the, the wine the process obviously it's not organic it doesn't say anywhere that it's an organic wine they use sulfites so what Sarah <laughs> this is gonna blow your fucking mind DBP I, I know you 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 can't you guys, I, I just heard a tidbit of this. Jamie's gonna Jamie's gonna break it down. Okay, I'm gonna try really hard not to like go off on too much of a tangent because I shit. I could like Oh shit, ladies and like, gentlemen. The can of worms has been opened and I only have questions and I just want somebody to answer all of them and I, I just don't know who. Okay, so maybe I, it's one of our listeners. Maybe please email us dbpeachers at gmail.com because I cannot fucking believe this. Okay. So let me, so I've mentioned before, I read a lot of books and I, I don't read a lot of books. I read books. <laughs> I love reading. And one of the things I have tried to do this year is to read more in general, but I received a book called Cork Dork for Christmas, my birthday, my birthday. And, um, I'll, I'll give a shout Will out. Will you share some knowledge? I'm going to. I'm going to fucking import some cray cray knowledge, okay? So I was reading it. It took, admittedly took me a while to read this, but regardless, I came to this point the other night when I was reading in bed and I just like threw my book down. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Page 188. (laughs) Oh, you guys, page number. 
<laughs> Just in case anybody wants to question getting what I'm reading. Serious. Okay, so basically, a little background. The author of this book is actually a writer for she's she's a journalist, and she decided that there's all this like hoopla about wine, right? And she was like, all this like sommelier shit. Like, is that like? Could somebody fucking train themselves to do that? Answer? Oh, I don't want to give away the answer. Okay. You just have to read the book. Oh. I'll tell you afterwards, but okay. DVP listeners, you just have to read the book. Can I borrow the book? Can I read the book? Totally. Okay. After it finishes drying out because I <laughs> spilled wine all over it. Okay. So, <clears throat> oh, so the thing is she, I'm not quite sure how this Bianca Bosker got her, like her, all of her like ins and outs. Like she met with some amazing human beings and I like perfumers and like, like she somehow got into these like mat, like wonderful, like big galas, like out in Napa. It, none of it makes sense. She has like amazing connections. So kudos to this chick, but she talked about how she flew out from New York to California, uh, actually very close to where I recently was in Napa. So now it makes me question like, oh my God, did I drive by this place? Where it's essentially like a laboratory. Okay. And it is a laboratory to sort Science. of, to test out. And it's essentially this conglomerate, I'm going to call it, actually has like s- several wine labels underneath it. I am not going to say it out loud because I don't want to like really like give out. I don't want to disparage or discredit or whatever anyone, but I think that it begs the question of who is doing this and how can you find this out? I am answer. hanging on the edge of my I don't know. feet. Okay, all right, so ready. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm just going to read this and I'm going to try to read it quickly so listen. So there is no fault that can't be corrected with one powder or another. No feature that can't be engineered from a bottle, box, or bag. Wine Teutonic, fine it with Ovo Pure, which is powdered egg whites. A glass, granulate from fish bladders. Gelatin, often derived from cow bones and pigskins. Or if it's a white, stir out pesky proteins that cause haziness with purebent. Bentonite clay, the ingredient in kitty litter. Not tannic enough? Replace $1,000 barrels with a bag of oak chips. Uh, tank planks, long oak staves, oak dust, literally what it sounds like, or a few drops of liquid oak tannin, pick between mocha and vanilla. I'm going to stop there. I hope that paints the picture that there is shit in your wine. Powder. Powder. Fucking oak dust. You're drinking. You're drinking wood? Oh my God, I'm so... Yes. I have to think that it's filtered, right? Because when you don't have a filtered wine, like it gets cloudy and shit like that. How do you sift through this? I don't know. That's the thing. So there are a couple things that you could possibly use as sort of a, a ruler of whether or not people may or may not include any of these non-organic practices. Yes. Mm. Um, one thing is to consider, and I'm so sorry because I know that there's a price sensitive market, but consider that when you are buying cheap, cheap wines, and I'm talking, I'm going to call it under $10 at least at least under $10, I think that there would be a good indication that there is something that is non-organic that is going into your wine. And that is because these under $10 wines are probably going to try to have a standard flavor profile from year to year. What we really know is that when you go to like these wineries, they will tell you the differences in flavor profile from vintage to vintage. 
It has to do with the climate. It has to do with the amount of water that there was. It has to do with um, maybe they lost a lot of crops, so they had to like end up blending things. I, I don't know, but there are these different things that when you go to like these, res- I'm going to call them respectable wineries, that they there is a rationale between why you might like the 2013 vintage of something, but you really hate the 2015. That was a drought year. Maybe you don't like the more concentrated juice. I don't know. But, like, there are reasons why this would be different. You're also going to pay more of a premium for those wines. So what Bianca had actually put in here, and this actually came not from Bianca herself, not an observation from her, but from a sales rep saying that typically when you do any of these, like, random things, especially when you start to do that fake barrel aging flavor, uh, $8 to $12 bottles can be brought up to $15 to $20 per bottle because it gives you more of a barrel quality. So one thing that um, she heard from a Monterey County winery, uh, the president of that uh, winery, actually said in just about every wine up to $20 a bottle anyway, but maybe not as much over that, you're going to have some sort of non-organic random play to try to develop a flavor profile that is fitting to the market. So I will say that this this chapter called the quality control in this book actually just really focuses on the fact that there has been a difference because originally, years and years and years ago, wines were developed or wines were created just regardless of the consumer, it was created because of the winery, right? That's all that they cared about. They just wanted to produce their wines. Now there's a difference because now people are taking the back end. And so they're going from the consumer asking what the consumer wants and then somehow magically like throwing chemicals and it's like a magic potion. You just throw a bunch of shit in to create what this consumer wants. And that's what you put out there year after year after year. Actually, I recently read something where there's some concern over, what did they call it, Parkerism? Um, And it actually relates to, there's concern that, you know, Robert J. Parker? Yes. So People are doing things. People are doing things to their wine in order to make it more desirable by those Robert J. Parker judges. And that is a big effing deal. That's a big deal, man. Right? Because then it's like you're like, that's like a completely unfair market because consider all of these, like, what I'm going to say more natural wines than, you know, they're making it based on the grapes, based on the climate, based on, you know, what they're going to use, they're barreling. Sure, they might age it a little bit longer um, if they don't, if they don't really like the flavor, but I think that it would definitely be, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. Wow. Yeah, right? I'm floored. Fucking mind blown. Mind blown. Where's the mind, mind blown emoji? Mind blown. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Like, okay, can I be honest with you? I had this wine from Napa the other day. It was a cap. It was a red. Obviously, it was a red. It was a cap. I'm just <laughs> losing my shit here. You're cool. You're cool. Uh, <laughs> and it had this, like, oakiness to it that, like, kind of felt fake. And I'm not just saying that. Really? I'm not just saying that because you just said all that. I remember, like, drinking it and being like, I don't know about this oak. It's weird. Like, it's weird. Not going to tell anyone which wine it was. No, no, I, I know. Like, but the... Okay, so what's inter- what's also interesting is that I when I was just in Napa, I went to a winery and I there was somebody else. This is like, on a tour. And, so, like, this one woman was like, oh, 
like I, you know, I see that all of this wine is in like a stainless steel tank, like, but you said that there's, uh, you said that it's oaked. So like, where is that? And he's like, oh, well, we're going to walk through the barrel room. She's like, oh, so you have to barrel it. And he said, well, you should barrel it. And he's like, we barrel it. He said, I mean, there are some people who just throw in a, basically just a bunch of wood chips to try to get the flavor, but like. No, there's definitely a different character and a different note that comes when it's like a legitimate oak barrel. So I think that's so interesting. So do you think that they... I mean, I'm going to look into it now for sure, but... But they're not going to say it. No, but I guess here's the thing. That's to me is not authentic, but it's not, it's not gross. It's like, okay, oak, oak, fine. However, adding powder to things yeah. like that's grosser to me. Yeah, there's some other there's some other um, thing called this uh, mega purple. It's a thick grape juice concentrate that's been called a magical potion. It can plump up a wine, make it sweeter on the finish, add richer color, cover up greenness, mask the horsey stink of Brett, which for those of you who don't know is an actual like wine flaw, um, and it make fruit flavors pop. So in no one admits to using it, but it ends up in an estimated 25 million bottles of red each year. Shit! Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, need, I need, like, a litmus test for this bullshit. I, again, I'm not exactly sure how we use that in, I mean, I was, like, appalled. And then I was, like, sitting there thinking through, like, my wine rack, and I was like, oh, my God, like, how much of my wine, how many of my wines, like, have this shit in here? And I think... This is super snooty, whatever. I'm so sorry. But, like, I think that most of my reds on my wine rack right now are over that $20 price point. So, to me, I think that because the president of Monterey County Winery uh, said something, that that's, that's sort of a gauge. It makes me feel a little bit safer that maybe I don't have, like, as much of the junk. But if you're buying, like, this makes me think a little bit of our episode six wine that we are not huge fans of. Oh, for sure. It makes me wonder if something was a little funky about that and perhaps there was some like additional additive that went in. And this is, again, don't mean to like slander anybody. So we're not naming a ton of names, but like there's some, there's some wine under 15 that I enjoy. Yeah. And the thing is that I think that we as wine drinkers need to be educated. And this is this blew my mind. I had never I had heard you know things here and there. This just like this book Cork Dork really just kind of laid shit out for me and I was like, "Oh my god. I I I can't even believe it." And I don't know if that is something that is unique to say the United States or if it is something that is done across the world in wine practices. Do you think the French do it? I feel like they're too snooty. To I do feel it. like they wouldn't. I'm sorry. And Italians too. I I, I feel like the French are like <laughs> There are so many regulations for yeah. wines in those European I'd say Damn, Italian I'm gonna France. just be drawing buying French wine now. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I like. Do you want me to twist your arm? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, are you that upset about it? No, I mean, I like French wine, but like, I like other wines too. Like, God. No, 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 no. So I just don't want to hand it all to the front. I yeah, right. Um, So I would just say the point in describing this is a it's a 
make other wine drinkers and our listeners aware of this practice, but also the possibility, the possibility that exists. And again, you're not going to find this in some publication. You're not going to find this on a wine spec sheet. Um, I mean, aside from you getting a job there, so you witness it firsthand, you probably wouldn't even see it then. I'd say that it's probably done sort of on the DL, you know, just kind of the DL when no one else is watching. It's crazy. Um, it's so bizarre. And I think that, you know, it, it makes me question a little bit sort of some of the flavors. So now I almost want to buy like different, you know, like Confidential, like we bought like, there's like a 2013 and 2014. Yeah. I'm curious if you compare the two flavors, if they would be drastically different. I don't different. know. I liked that wine. I don't know. I know, but it also had like 40 varietals in it. So that was yeah. cray cray. So what's a natural wine? Okay, so the natural wine is going to be the one that is uh, unfiltered, uh, sort of. There's, like, really not a whole shit ton of do- stuff done to it. And actually, so here's the other thing. So, yes, it takes yeast, right? Right. So to create alcohol, you have yeast and you have sugars, and your yeast is going to eat your sugars, and then you're going to create um, carbon dioxide, and you're going to create alcohol. So, you're so smart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think I've read that basic equation for uh, fermentation <laughs> probably like a hundred times now. So hopefully I know it. But so there are wines, grapes that have a lot of yeast on them just due to them blooming and all of this nonsense. So you don't have to add, the winemakers don't have to add yeast. They just form on their own. It kind of forms on their own. And I don't know, I don't know more specifics about that. However, sometimes in order to produce, in order, if you know that there's a lot of sugar and winemakers are so crazy now. A lot of them, I think, actually use more scientific methods to track the progress of the grapes. And so they'll actually test sort of the sugar levels and the pH levels and all that goodness within your grapes uh, before harvest. So they can kind of track and guesstimate and figure out what they want to make. But so they then, based on the sugar levels, will have an idea of, oh, I want this alcohol level. I want this residual sugar level. Or I don't. But they will then be able to figure out, like, do they need to add any yeast? So there are some common yeasts, I think, that winemakers include uh, and use in winemaking. But when we talk about natural wines, that what they do is they only add what they consider native yeasts. And I I listened, I know I recently listened to a podcast about this, um, and it is... It, the native yeast are things that are, you know, similar to those that are found in the grapes or in that particular, like, growing area. Um, but it's nothing that's like you just, like, choose your yeast from a catalog. They sound and like minions. They do. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. They do. But yes, so so that's that's like natural wine. Little minions making your wine all natural. Could you picture that? I mean, that would be awesome. <laughs> Is Gru there too? Because that would be great. Gru's the head winemaker. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that natural, was amazing. Well, natural wine, the last statement is that natural wine emphasizes the least amount of intervention. So you'll probably have more variability from year to year, vintage to vintage. 
Um, again, I mean, maybe you're going to see more fluctuation in your ABV. Okay. Um, but this is probably as close to like, we took the grapes off the vine and essentially squeeze the juice and let it ferment and we just put it into a bottle. You know, I did have an all organic wine actually, now that I think about it a couple months ago and did you? I was very skeptical about it and I actually really liked it. But all organic. It was, it was completely... So no sulfites, but was it, it wasn't natural. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. I was not looking for that <laughs> distinction. Damn it. Damn it. In the future. In the future. In the future, I will. The, and I think that a lot of these wineries are actually, like, really, like, emphasize, like, when they do this, when they are practicing organic, natural, sustainable, whatever... I don't think that they're going to be shy about advertising that to their consumers. They're going to put it on their labels. Yeah, because they're going to be like, guess what, bitches? They're going to put it on their websites. Yep. I'm natural. For sure. I'm au natural. I'm au natural. So there's the other thing I just mentioned, sustainability. Okay. And sustainability, I think, are more about the practices of, like, the wineries themselves. Isn't that, like... Anything like sustainable practices for food and isn't it very similar? I think yes, but I think it actually can kind of like have like a broader spectrum because consider it's like a business operation, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have like the sustainable, like I, there were at least two wineries that I just went to in Napa. Okay. One of which I joined the other one I might join in the future. Okay. (laughs) That's good. Um, but they both tote their sustainability practices. And this means like solar panels. This means uh, composting. This means um, trying to use um, biodiesel. Biodiesel, right? So it's like better for the environment. We know California and emissions and all this stuff mm-hmm. and smog and oh my God, like how dare you? But so they <laughs> actually try I to. I love that you just how dared. How, oh, how, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you use gas? I did not fuel. <laughs> this is a... It's an inside thing. Yes. We enjoy... We enjoy the how dare you. So, yes. So, I think that, you know, it can definitely... This has, I think, more variation, right? So, like, organic and natural, I think that people have at least a similar sense of what that's going to mean. When we get to sustainability, I think that the practices, you know... In, that people undertake at their wineries, at their locations, they're going to change. And I think that, you know, we just need to accept that. But, you know, there's like recycle. Wow, I was just going to say that really weird. (laughs) Recycling. Not recycling. (laughs) All of a sudden, say it that way. Does this have a lot of ABV in this? 12.5. Okay. We discussed that earlier. We did. Um, Ah, Jamie's feeling it. Sustainable methods to remove weeds and prevent mildew is at one. Um, Harvesting early in the morning rather than using power to cool the juice mechanically. I think that there are a lot of different things that could be considered, like could fall under this like sustainable practice. So it's like trying to like reduce like. So just be better for the earth. Exactly. That's all you're trying to do. You're creating art of the earth. Art I'm going to swing this back around because I think that, you know, creating awareness and all of that I think is important. And it's, I think it's a positive thing that we see that these wineries are actually doing that. But so I applaud you. A round of applause. So, but I think, so these sustainable practices 
I think they actually translate into home life. Oh. So, and organic and all that stuff. So, this, you know, I I know that when we first, like, we probably... I know that when we first thought of this topic for this particular wine, we did not expect to go into all of the additives that can be in our wine. However, no, I was so... I, I, I could continue to, like, get on my soapbox about it, I think, and I'm just, like, so scream at the world and ask... Upset about Why? And Why? Tell me more. Why? But... Or don't, because I don't want to know. No, I want to know so that I, like, don't buy that shit. But anyway, um... So, you know, I will admittedly, our celery that we ate tonight is, in fact, organic. But that's because I was not pleased with the other stuff that we had, or that they had at the store. Okay. In fact, I think the carrots are organic. But the rest of the food, I'm sorry, is not organic. So. God damn you. I don't. I don't (laughs) generally buy organic food. Okay. I'm going to say I remember reading something, like a list many, many years ago about things that you should buy organic. Buy organic. And when we talk about, like, peaches that have, like, Mm -hmm. a fuzzy exterior skin, Mm -hmm. that you would want to buy organic because the pesticides and all those chemicals actually then would get trapped in it. Yeah. But, like, what else, like, what else is recommended... So I think. And what do you do? Okay, yeah. So my husband has, you know, opened the door to things that I think I would have never actually gone down these paths. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yes, he buys more organic food than I do. I think because he's way more aware of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just walk in and just I'm like, oh, red peppers. Here we go. You know. Yes. Like I am not Indeed. like. Oh, I need to buy the like go to the organic section now. If I notice, I see two of the same next to each other, and I'm like, okay, you know which one should I buy? If they're next to each other, then I'm like, okay, I'll pick the organic one. However, if they're not, I'm really, will you most of the time? Okay, explain unless to it's me. like well, way eating, more expensive. Well, I'm eating a non-organic pepper. Yeah, explain to me. Okay. So there's less... But what's the difference? I'm going to ask benefits. this. Well, the benefits, but what is yeah. also the price difference? I think that that is probably you know, a barrier for people to buy organic. I know personally that is one of my yeah. things, but like, what do you find is like monetarily... So I think it depends on what you're actually buying. I think a lot of times it's... um it's it's there's not there's not a huge price difference, but mm-hmm. then sometimes there is. Mm-hmm. So you do need that kind of like price sensitivity. I will say that I am more careful about like my greens. About like what? My greens, like spinach and lettuce mm. and like things like that. Just because. Sorry, I thought you said grains, and I was like, oh, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. You can buy organic greens. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm more I'm more sensitive about those things. Um, just because I don't know. Just seems like they'd be impacted more. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, like the like for carrots, for example, it's usually only like a fifty cents difference. It's not the worst thing. I also else. consider the fact that, like, I'm not gonna lie, I buy the carrots that are you know pre. I buy baby carrots. I'm obsessed yeah. with them actually. But consider that all of the skins that have been exterior facing are gone. Yeah. So maybe we're removing a lot of those extra pesticides. Yeah, but what else is it? I mean, how else are they doing that process? 
So you you, you <laughs> want to know everything about about your your wine? My wine, not my carrots, not my carrots, just my wine, just my wine. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Okay, um, so what are the benefits? Tell me more benefits. So more benefits. So you you're not being exposed to the pesticides. Like we talked about the pesticides that they yeah. use. That's a huge thing. Like you don't. There's pesticide residue yeah. in a lot of like non-organic fruits and vegetables, you know, and like, mm, what does that do? Cancer risk? Like, do we really know? I don't think we do. Yeah. Okay. It's a fair also, point. they're more nutritious because there's studies that have been shown that small, to, there's small to moderate increases in some nutrients in organic produce, um, and more antioxidant properties. Um, interesting. And then for like meats, for example, the feeding requirements are primarily like grass, like a grass fed beef is a lot more nutritious and healthy for you than. Right, right, right. And none. There's more omega 3 fatty acids, which have shown to be heart healthy. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of those things. Also, like, there's sometimes toxic metals. Oh, what? In some soils. Yeah. But, okay, is that a result of bad farming or is that just a result of the soil that it's being grown in i mean consider like the various soils that exist for wine yeah right for all the grape the grapes like i don't i i don't know that's so oh that's so interesting and then bacteria so here's the other crazy thing oh my god stop it okay no don't stop it keep going this is my pharmacist brain there's a lot of antibiotic resistance out there oh my god yes okay so Meats that are produced conventionally might have a higher occurrence of bacteria that are resistant to antibiotic treatment. And that actually, that bacterial contamination, it it could go into, you know, some of your food too. I don't know. Oh. Right. That's terrible. I mean, I know that I have had conversations about how we as a society are becoming, like, Resistant to antibiotics yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a whole like other bugs. podcast. That's man. another podcast. But yeah, consider it's like the same thing for animals and the animals that we mm-hmm. consume. I mean, that is so. That's why like there's like the antibiotic free chicken. I know like Panera like released that like yeah I don't know yeah a decade ago right. and they really pushed that because it was such a. It was such a, a big thing, and I think that there were probably more studies that were coming out about that. That is, that's interesting. So I do have a list of fruits <gasps> and vegetables that you should buy organic. Okay, please tell. And then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what we do at home. Yes, because you do something that I've, do, I'm very yeah. curious about. So, okay, there is a certain um, amount, there's, there's certain foods that have higher pesticide levels than others, okay? So if you're going to use your money somewhere, these are the, you get the most Please bang for your buck. Please tell me is one of them. Tell me celery is one of them. Okay. Apples. God damn. What? Wait. I'm sorry. Hang on a second. <laughs> wait, wait. Those are my favorite fruits. Wait, they are more pesticide. Yeah. Can't you taste it sometimes? Sometimes I buy a regular apple. I'm like, ugh. I just no, got that my taste. heart just broke for a minute. Okay. All right, Kiri. It's okay. You still have access to apples. Let's go apple picking. And then, you know. But do they use pesticides? Anyway, okay, okay, okay. My heart's broken. I'm over okay. it. Cucumbers, I'm not over it, but it's okay. Cucumbers, celery. <gasps> yes! I scored. Potatoes, grapes, cherry tomatoes, kale, 
Mm. Nectarines, peaches, spinach, strawberries. Sorry, not by the organization. And the ones that, like, maybe have... These are known as the Clean 15. These conventionally grown fruits and vegetables are generally low in pesticides. Oh, okay. Even if they're grown... Even if they're non-organic. Asparagus, avocado. Cool. I mean, because avocado has that really thick skin. Right. Mushrooms, which is interesting. Cabbage. um, Also interesting. Sweet corn. Eggplant, thick skin. Kiwi, thick skin. Mango, thick skin. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But for, like, eggplant, you eat the skin. Mm, I don't normally, but not really? all the time. I don't know. I mean, I made eggplant probably a decade ago, and that was the last time. So I don't really... It's not like a, a something that's highly <laughs> consumed in our household, but interesting. Onion, papaya, Ooh. pineapple... Sweet potatoes, grapefruit, cantaloupe. So most of these things have thick skin. I would right. venture to say probably bananas are in here. I'd say but watermelons in there the, too, yeah, right? Because you got the other melons. Thick skin. So yeah. So like if you're th- you know if you're out there and you're like oh what should I buy organic like definitely buy your like spinach and cucumbers and all that. So that's really okay. So that's really interesting and it makes me wonder. I mean. Perhaps, you know, these lists could go on and on, I'm sure. But, you know, when we think about, like, the if the strawberries under the list of, like, having, like, a high amount of pesticides, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that, like, raspberries, blackberries, lots of nooks and crannies, right, yeah. are going to collect that. And because they're such thin skins, then it could permeate the actual fruit part. Yeah. So I guess that is a better way for me to sort of, like, approach this when I go to the grocery store. But here, not all organic shit is healthy. Like, a donut can be organic, doesn't make it healthy. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I still want to eat it. Yeah, but sometimes people tote organic. Like, oh. They do. They do. This it's is like, true. It's like, just because it has the label on it doesn't this make it healthy. True. Like, still, right. you guys, like, have, like, some brains in you. Yeah. Also, like this. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right about that. And I, But, again, I think it's, it's... You consider, especially when it comes to, like, the fresh produce, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I actually, you know, I didn't think about the grains, but you said that there are, you know, yeah. grains that are organic. Like, if it's, like, something that's, like, wheat-based, I mean, I don't know. I I guess it has to do with how it's grown, but I think that's super interesting and helpful list. So, I'm glad that we had this yeah, I'm not even talk because it. now I've, like, totally, like, framed things in my mind. So, I think next time I go to the grocery <laughs> store, I'll, like... I'm not even going to get into GMOs. We're not even going to go. Oh, no, no, no. But wait, but tell us about what you do Um, at home. So we compost. Where? Okay. We have a backyard. Yeah. Okay. So we have a backyard (laughs) and I will say that I encourage everybody out there to have a garden for, there's many reasons. Well, well, okay. One, if you can't have a garden. They grow a lot of their own shit. It's pretty cool. Okay. If you can't, I don't. My husband does. I support. I support the practice. You support the process. I'm not that good at those things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy in the back drinking a glass of wine <laughs> after work to be That's planting. Cool. I do think I'm trying to get more involved. Right? I just I kind of have a black thumb. Anyway, me too. 
if you can't have a garden, like try and find a farmer's market, a local, because really then you're supporting all those sustainable practices. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of places that have like co-ops too, right? Yes, yes. I mean, we have one here locally, Outpost. It's pretty, I didn't we realize all the, the extent of it, but it's yeah. actually pretty widespread in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We go I all didn't the time. Know that. Um, but yeah, if you can have a garden, do it because I mean, like, it's cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. I mean, if if the apocalypse starts coming, like, you got shit, man. food. You got food. You know? Um, start to pickle that drought, shit. Yep. Jar it. Preserve it. You know, it. but more so, like, really, you know where your food's coming from. Yeah. Like, you're a... And especially, I love growing... Like, the one thing I do do is grow herbs. Because you pay so much money. Oh, like my a thing God, of basil, you're right. Where, mm-hmm. like, you could just plant a $3 thing of basil. And yeah. you basil, like, all the time. Now, granted, we live in Wisconsin, and, like, you do have the winter. Yeah, but But still, you can grow some of that stuff indoors, Some of it can actually. be grown indoors. And the other thing is, like, I mean, Sarah has a house. I have an apartment right now. And it's, like, I've always wanted to grow, like, grow my own herbs. Because, again, like, you buy that pack, and you, like, use, like, three leaves of, like, basil. And you're, like, and you Jesus. Just spe- you I just, like, like threw the shit out. Yeah. yeah. And all you can buy is the organic shit. Yeah. It's the organic shit. But... Sure, the organic stuff is better. It costs you, like, honestly, like, $15 to have an herb garden, and it's so worth it. And it grows, like, crazy. My mom grows basil. Mint, I have, yes. I had a friend, I told you about this, my friend grew mint in her yard, and this shit just, like, expanded over yeah, her entire like she had a mojito party oh it yeah, was no, like no, awesome. I, have, I love it. I love mint, though. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, yes, girl. Yes. Anyway. So what composting. Else do you do? Yes, huh? you compost. This is what I'm so intrigued mm-hmm. about because so this is I've been to your house and I've never seen where. Okay. So this is all my husband and I support it, but he does it because I'm a little weird about it. And I'll tell you why. Describe okay. it. So compost is basically all your food scraps, like not your meat, not like not chicken. No, no, but like your like protein. But like basically you're peeling, let's say a cucumber or an apple or yeah. like whatever. You save those scraps. Well, first of all, one big thing is that you reduce the amount of unneeded waste. Okay. Right there. Okay. Okay. So you take all those scraps and you put them in. We have a little tiny compost bin next to our sink. And, okay, my huge. Yes. My huge issue with it. It's like a little can. Listen, I've been to your house so many times and I have never noticed this. Okay. my, My biggest issue in the beginning was I didn't want things to smell and I didn't want fruit flies. I am super clean and I have a huge like, the, that's my huge thing, right? The face of somebody who's not shocked <laughs> by that statement. Okay. Okay. The reason it doesn't <laughs> is because the top has a charcoal filter. So, you don't oh. smell anything, and the it's I have fine. literally never noticed this at your house. Yes, I know. I love it <laughs> that you haven't noticed. So, we put all the scraps, and also because so I make Adam take it out, like... I was going to say, like, every couple how days. frequently do you do this? Every couple Where days. Where do you put it? So we put what it, happens? Okay, so what you do... You save your scraps. Then we have this massive, and you it's kind of hidden in the garden in the back. You wouldn't necessarily see it unless I pointed it out. Okay. But it's this massive, like, compost bin. So he takes them, he takes the scraps, and he puts it in this compost bin. Is it like a big plastic garbage bin? Or Almost, like, kind of. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what it does is it basically, it becomes, it, it breaks down, and it becomes, like, almost like a fertilizer for your soil. So do you just add that back into your garden? Basically. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, you need a certain amount of, Consider like... Consider all of the nutrients that are in that shit. Yeah. 
So in well, huh. like I said, it reduces landfill waste, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But you you need a certain amount of like carbon and nitrogen, or a certain amount of ratio. So your carbon is like branches, stems. So not only can you get stuff from like what your your food, but you can also like if you're you know picking up branches or leaves, you know, out of your backyard, Toss you can throw in them there. in there. Mm-hmm. So that's Do you the carbon. Have to add like. Worms or anything? No. Um, so you can add something to soften it. Okay. Um, and there's different ways. Okay. That you can like actually do that. So like, um, you can. There's like a certain like compost. I, I can't remember exactly what it is. Almost like a conditioner that you can add to it. Okay. Um, but there's different ways that you can at like increase the oxygen or whatever but like you can just compost your leaves even like that's awesome yeah i mean and so it, it consider about like we it's like organic like you like don't you you're using like actual nutrients from other food products to help yeah. nurture like your what you're growing yeah like that's so like there's different ways like you can turn it all the time yeah. and that helps or you can add a material that helps compost yeah. it you know I think that's what we're doing um, again this is like really not my project um, <laughs> I, like I said I fully support it and I'm really happy that we're doing it yeah but I'm really glad that I'm not the one that's actually like like you know I think it would be interesting I mean I don't know from what you described like if I mean. I wouldn't necessarily have anything to put my compost. Well, you live in a permit range, but if you had, although there is a lot of, I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of deer, there's a lot of everything behind me, and I think that, you know, I mean, you don't want to put in like meat bones or anything that no, like no, animals no, 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 are going to no. be attracted to. Yeah, this no. is um, this is just this like is your, just your produce, basically. Yeah, your produce, your, your, you know, like we're picking weeds, and he's like, oh, put it in the compost bin. Nothing I would have ever thought before. Yeah. But at the same time, I do feel better like that you're not throwing that. Even like eggshells can be used. So like what? Yeah. So I mean, it is. It is. I do feel very hippie, <laughs> but I like it. Happy to be yeah. Sarah. So, I mean, and it's healthier for your soil. It's healthy for yeah, your yeah. garden. You try not to use as many, you know, pesticides and whatever. And yeah. Like, if you take that compost and then use it for your garden, I mean, like, that's pretty cool, That's huh? so, I think that's so amazing. And I, I mean, I know that you guys have done that, but I, every time I've gone over, it's been, like, so far from my mind because I don't see... I'll show you next time. Yes. I mean, I don't, I've never noticed any of this stuff. I'll show you next time. There's and been a few places I've been where there's, and I told Adam this, like, when we first started all this, I'm like, as long as there's no smell, if there's a smell, I am going to lose my shit, okay? <laughs> but, true to his word, he cleans it out, he takes it out often enough, and there is no smell. That's and great. that charcoal filter really helps with that. Like, I would say that that's key. I have that in my fridge. Yeah. And I'm not even composting. Yep. Yep. It's like a little bin and it has a char- like the t- the lid has a charcoal filter in it. Okay, I'm going to come over next time. We're yeah. going to record at your place next time and we're going to I'm going to show you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Lady, man, dude. Anyway, so okay. This has been a very Woo! lightning You guys, uh, conversation. This, I'm like, my brain hurts. It's like I feel like we could keep going because I'm like very I'm like ready to go. I like just want to keep talking about this, but I realized that, you know, 
You guys probably have something else to listen to. <laughs> maybe it's I mean, another, what are you talking maybe about? Maybe it's another GBP episode. I hope but, so. <laughs> but, uh, but we, you know, uh, this has been so enlightening, and I am so intrigued by this. If anyone has, like, weird, nifty, like, sustainable practices, like, for apartment dwellers... Feel free to pass along to me because I'd be so interested to see what I should be doing. Or if you have some interesting organic wines, we should try. Or natural Natural matter because I think that although I do think that one Slovenian is a natural wine, it was unfiltered at least. Mm -hmm. That orange wine, true. Um, But I think that you know, and there is there is a different flavor for sure for natural wines. But I think that yes. We should definitely be a little bit more aware. Hopefully, you guys will be more aware. Like when you start to pick off bottles of wine, like from your from the shelves, that you just like consider it a little bit more. And again, we acknowledge like price sensitivity and all that stuff. But like, it was like very eye opening, like reading this particular book and reading, you know, or just buy an organic carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think I'm broken. So, <laughs> eat your dang baby carrot. Eat your organic celery. Okay, no. Uh, so, I, <laughs> this has been a lovely, lovely, lovely episode. Very educational. I, I, Jamie, my hats off to you in educating me on so many things. <laughs> I did not know. And our listeners, thank you so much. Oh well, thank you. Thanks for. I need to learn your composting ways. Maybe Sean and I will do Don't ask later. me. Ask I'll Adam. ask Adam. We'll All interview right. him in another one. Another <laughs> organic wine, there perhaps. You go. All right. Until next time, DBP listeners, cheers. Cheers. Bitches. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.